Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate, I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello. Welcome back. Chase Thomas podcast. Taping this on a Sunday evening. Tennessee played less than 24 hours ago so you know that means we have to do a podcast about it without ryan shepherd who i mean just goodness gracious the the pessimism and the in the group chat and the go big orange friday group chat was was undeniable and it was uh it was just too much for ryan to to face the music of a tennessee volunteer dub jack foster saw it coming the joe the joe's best game possible uh, this year he saw that so shout out to always college football's jack foster who is also not here today but he i mean hey he's riding out uh, on top as the the joe milton uh best game of the season pick uh from a week ago so to talk all about what happened uh last night in lexington kentucky it's the chicago bears fan himself over there in enemy territory in south carolina ethan stone of saturdaydownsouth.com ethan good evening sir how are you Doing great. Doing very well. Tennessee football gets their win yesterday. Bears gone on Sunday night football tonight. Oh. Balls basketball wins over Michigan State in an exhibition. Man, I, I'm thriving. It's a great time to be a sports fan. That's for sure. Uh, did they win because the Tennessee uh, graphic said doesn't count, doesn't count for count. both sides? Yes. So many are saying that game did not count. Indeed, the charity exhibition against Michigan State. But fun regardless. Yeah, thrilling. One of the best exhibition games I've ever watched. I'll say that straight up. Yeah, I'm not going to lie, folks. I didn't watch it. Can't watch it yet. I have too much on my plate. And for the, for, uh, in all seriousness, that's where, I mean, I'm a busy man, but also there's just only so much I can do. And I, I'm also just not a regular season guy. Or excuse me, I'm a big regular season guy. Exhibition guy. Takes a yeah. lot, like preseason football. Like I'll, I'll watch the clips and see what happens. But um, looks like Jordan Ganey played well. Dalton Connect had a poster. Um, yeah. Hey, it's, it's hard to take fun. too much about it. Like it's, it's like Ryan said in the, in the, um, the group chat Tyreek key 26 against Gonzaga last year. Yeah. And then he disappeared for the entire year. So, you know, <laughs> take it with a grain of salt for sure, but still fun, fun for your college basketball junkies. There you go. Shout out to my friend and co-host on this show too, on the Thursday college basketball today, 
Stats by Will, Mr. Will Warren, who was geared up, and he also was the only person who was watching uh, Exhibition College Basketball while also watching NASCAR at the same time. The Venn diagram of people doing that uh, in the United States this week, and it was uh, it was exactly one. It was a uh, friend of the pod, Will <laughs> Warren, doing that. So shout out to Will, too. Um, 24 hours, though, after we start every uh, show on this Sunday night uh, during the college football season for the Tennessee Volunteers, asking your biggest takeaway you're still thinking about from uh, Tennessee's victory on the road, three straight uh, for Josh Heupel in the series, undefeated as the head coach of the Tennessee Volunteers. What are you still thinking about, Ethan Stone? I'm thinking about how well Tennessee was able to run the ball against a very, very underrated Kentucky rush defense. That that was, I mean, like I've I've kind of said it all year. I've not been the highest on Kentucky at SDS. I've I mean they started you know really well and then they, they got you know pantsed by Georgia and and then but the thing about them that you got to realize is they're they're legitimately a good rush defense. And I thought mm. for one of the first times all year that Tennessee would get you know kind of punched in the mouth a little bit in that regard. And Jalen Wright drives the field and has that you know, big long touchdown to start things off. And then they never slow from there. I, I think mm. there was 250 plus rushing. I think it was 254, but whatever the number is, it was ridiculous. Um, and so Tennessee was able to run the ball well, and it wasn't just Jalen Wright. He started it off. And then when he kind of got a little bit of an injury at the end there, Dylan Sampson finished it up and there was no disconnect, no disconnect whatsoever. And I liked that. I like that Milton was able to do a little bit more than just check downs. He was kind of making some throws on the run a little bit. He didn't have a perfect game by any means, but I would say it was probably probably his best of the year. I mean, mm-hmm. let's just call it what it was. He, it wasn't perfect by any means. He wasn't throwing for 400 yards and five touchdowns, but he did exactly what he needed to. When Tennessee's running the ball like that, there's there's not a lot of teams that are going to beat him. It's just simple as that. Even, even when – you know, defensively, and we'll get into it a little bit later without Kamal Haddon, without Peely. Um, there are a, a little bit of struggles, but if Tennessee's running the ball that well, it's it's going to be tough to beat them. It really is. It's going to be tough to beat them. Yeah, and I mean, it was a tale two halves, right? Like, Jalen Wright yeah. goes out, and we don't see him really at all in the second half. And, I mean, there, <laughs> Dylan Sampson just rises from the ashes and has, I mean, the drive of the season, really, uh, where yeah. he puts the team on his back. Because I think that cannot be overlooked is just – Look, Tennessee, they had a uh, one deep shot to Chaz Nimrod in this game. They got Dante Thornton going on the outside, which was huge. Um, and I think that should stick going forward as he's an outside guy and he's a whole lot more comfortable on that side. So I think that clears some stuff up and some questions for Tennessee. But I think Dylan Sampson just taking the game over and putting the team on his back um, and almost costing the team in a weird way because of he got very, very lucky on that two minute and one second spot uh, right before yeah. the two minute warning there. Uh, running out of bounds but uh, yeah. outside of that a perfect drive for Samson and really solidifying that I mean I love Jalen he's just a different kind of back Jalen's averaging seven yards a carry at this point in the year, which is still just crazy but so. Dylan just it more than anything it just makes like I just want to get through this year like I it just the the lunatic Tennessee fans who I love dearly who are like here's how we can still win the east and get to Atlanta like <laughs> god bless you if you still uh, are thinking 10 and 2 with this group but I'm just like, what, nine and three, and let's get through it and move on to basketball and baseball season. But, and then we'll, my expectations will be sky high next year with Nico and company. But I think the biggest thing is like Dylan Sampson, Camp Seldon are going to next year in this group, where I'm like, I'm just excited for Dylan Sampson, and he shouldn't get it yet. And Jalen Wright's awesome. But mm. when he gets the keys handed to him and what we've seen 
with the upside of Cam Selden and just kind of the early Cordero Patterson comparisons, mm-hmm. you're like, man, next year, if you have the combination of Dylan Sampson as the league guy with, uh, with Cam Selden and then maybe Jabari Small coming back again because that's apparently a possibility that he just keeps yeah. coming back as like the third back, which I'm okay <laughs> with. Like that's fine as long as he wants to keep coming back. I don't care. Like, he's third back, right? Because he doesn't want to be the main guy. Man. He's just okay yeah. with it. So it's like he's the ultimate utility guy. Yeah. Where it's like, all right, he's like the Justin Turner of the Tennessee Volunteers, yeah. where you're like, all right, man, like you're never gonna be the guy. Like you're just solid. Like I'll if you want to keep coming back and you don't care about being the main touch guy and just are okay doing a couple drives a game to rest guys. All right, we'll keep having yeah. you. Like it's great. Um, <laughs> but the the name of the game is running the football. This team has unlocked something. Um, as you uh, said here, Ethan, they just you just trust them to figure it out on the ground. Like it doesn't matter yeah. if it's Texas A&M's front, Kentucky's front. They're going to run the ball at you. So when you see Tennessee fans this year, oh, well, the team X is uh, their rush defense. This like, I'm not really worried about it because I think Tennessee is probably yeah. going to gash them. I think they're going to win that battle every time. Yeah. And and to your point, coming into this game, that was that was probably the one thing that I was like, ooh, this this is why I think this could be interesting, because mm. like I said earlier, you're without Peely, you're without Haddon, who was a major and we'll definitely get to that in a second. How, how awful the secondary looked against Devin Leary. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're missing all those guys and you say, okay, the run, de- like something's got to give here. Like at some point, Kentucky's got to smell blood in the water and they've got to mm-hmm. be able to slow them down. And they just couldn't, like, I thought for sure this, this, how they've performed this season, except for against Georgia, Kentucky has played so well against the run. And I thought for sure they'd be able to not, not really like keep them to like 50 yards or anything like that. Like not completely shut them down. I don't think anyone really has that capability this year. But I mm. did think they were going to keep it to a manageable level where if Joe Milton had some struggles, which he really didn't, if Joe Milton had some struggles, Kentucky would have been able to win that game. And ultimately, it really didn't matter what Milton did. As, as long as he did his, you know, 17 for 20, I think is what he ended up with. That's all Tennessee needed. He didn't need to do anything crazy because yeah. you can rush for 250 yards in the ground. You have two of the top five best running backs in the SEC. I'd say top three running backs in the SEC. And that's yeah. crazy to say. That's insane to say. No, I mean, they're just... They're solid. I will say the body language doctor. A little concerned about Jalen Wright on the side uh, in those final drives. And in the tweet at last night, I don't know what that, that was, meant. Yeah. I don't know. Is that something to monitor? Are we monitoring this over the next couple days? Like, mm, what do we, what not, do we think about here? Because Dylan Sampson quote tweeted it and was positive. So that's yeah. optimistic. But I don't know. Uh, he Jalen Wright, hard to read uh, week over week. But I hope he does not take issue to not being uh the main guy here down the stretch because ultimately it's not like he was i mean we don't know what was going out the injury and if he was being held out for that or whatever mm-hmm. but i mean you can't take the ball out of dylan's hands at that point like dylan it doesn't dylan was no. doing everything dylan was he won you the game really i mean he did he did um i i don't it, it's hard to make too much of it because like we yeah. don't know what's going on in the locker room like ryan's the only one of us that is even at the at the pressers here so it, it's it's kind of difficult to say oh he's you know he's mad that he got taken out of the game if he really wasn't injured or he was injured we're we're not going to be able to do anything other than speculate about that yeah um i mean it, his tweet exactly was was like something about people not counting them like counting them out or something like yeah. that and it's like your brother you're you're <laughs> averaging seven yards per rush you are yeah. by far the best running back in the sec this year there's no way like you could say that so yeah it makes you wonder like you know what's been going on behind but also the which scenes, tennessee but... fan have you found who's like in his mentions exactly. just like 
where were you in the second half? Like, where have you been all year? Like, who's com- what Tennessee fan do you know that's complained one iota about Jalen Wright? He's like you said, he's best running back in the SEC this year. We're all very Joe thrilled. Milton, we love Jalen Wright being on our team. With how Joe Milton has played with here, with how Josh Heupel has kind of called the you know a little bit of iffy play calling at times. Mm. You you would decide to say Jalen Wright is the problem. I don't buy it. I don't buy it, man. No, who's in his mentions? I just want to find this person who's upsetting <laughs> Jalen Wright uh, week after week because it's like, what what are we doing here, folks? Uh, yeah. There's there's a lot of issues uh, week to week with this Tennessee team. Jalen Wright's never been one of them. No. Uh, biggest moment of the game for you was what, Ethan? Um, moment would be Kentucky missing their field goal. I think mm. that was just enormous. I mean, obviously, I, I'm going to get into what I really think it is, which is the drive uh, immediately following that, which was yeah. Samson just going 42 of 65 yards down the field, whether it be on the ground or by Joe Bilton throwing it to. I mean, I, I think Squirrel White had a pretty decent reception in there at one point to gain a first down. But it was all Samson. And it, I mean, he just ran it down their throats. There was nothing they could do. And if I remember correctly, I was kind of working on some Big Ten stuff last night with Ohio State and Wisconsin. So I was kind of looking back and forth. But they were in the end zone like that. I mean, Kentucky missed the field goal and Tennessee took advantage as soon as they could. And I mean, that that all but put him to bed. It really did. And when Kentucky, I remember they were even saying on the TV, they said, this guy, you know, he hasn't missed a field goal all year. And then it was the worst kick I've seen in my entire life. It missed it by half a football field <laughs> it was nowhere yep. near it. and i feel like the air just went out of the stadium at that point like that was a chance for kentucky i believe it was 26 to 24 at that point that's a chance mm-hmm. for them to take the lead and instead tennessee's all of a sudden up nine or ten and you know by that point it's just game set and match I, with how tennessee's running the ball you're not going to be able to even with devin leary playing as well he was you're not going to be able to come back from that so that's the biggest drive uh, a sneaky one um biggest moment at the end would be Joe Milton getting that first down and then sliding, like having Mm -hmm. the wherewithal to slide down. And then Kentucky did their thing with the 10 second runoff and (laughs) just making sure that Tennessee was not going to give the ball back to Kentucky, even if they knew, you know, they're kind of struggling on that drive. They really were. I mean, they, they were hitting Mm -hmm. the, hitting the downs when it mattered, but throughout the drive, you didn't really have much confidence that they were going to be able to, convey it get down there kick a field goal they didn't even have to kick a field goal they mm. you know because milton got the first down he, he he played his cards right and i think he did really well in general on the ground last night that's been something over the past few weeks yeah. that you know you got to give him his flowers for it you really do because ever since the alabama game he's rushed the ball really well it hasn't been eye popping in the stat sheet or anything like that but it's been enough to keep defenses honest it, it expands what he's been able to do and with all of his accuracy issue, issues you got to give him that because that very, I mean, was Kentucky going to come back and win that game with Devin Leary passing the ball as well as he was potentially, but not giving them the chance is the thing that's used there because, you know, I you know just want to have a conversation uh, with hype. I'll be like, OK, was he injured? Like, why was yeah. this not? That's game plan like why was this not week one why was this not happening in the florida game why was this not something we were seeing week over week was it just he wasn't comfortable with it yet like mm-hmm. now i will say joe still does not have a lot of elusivity uh, i'm gonna make up a word here elusivity elusivity i don't know yeah he's not I an elusive person yeah. I, don't, I don't he's not an elusive player and he's not at josh dobbs or hinden hooker in an open space here yeah. but he's a load to bring down i don't think I mean, I just think he beats guys up. And this is something that I think is going to be very important. So when you look ahead to Mizzou in two weeks on the road, guess who Mizzou plays next week? I think Mizzou has is it the University of Georgia it's on Georgia the road. Week, right? Yeah, they're off the bye, too. 
Yes. So they're yeah. going to be banged up. And that's mm. exactly what you want if you're Tennessee going into Columbia. Is like Joe is going to have to run the football a bunch because you're. I think you're going to score a lot. Like the thing about mm-hmm. Mizzou, what's going to be different than this Kentucky offense, which was able to do whatever they wanted against this mm-hmm. Tennessee defense, oh, yeah. is that I think I said in the group chat where I'm like Tennessee's just going to win because not because <laughs> be, simply because the Wildcats can score at will, but they can't score fast. They're just mm-hmm. going to take 80. It's going to take 13 plays and 80 yards for them to get down and eventually score a touchdown on Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Like, but they couldn't do it fast. So two scores mm-hmm. with four minutes to go. I was like, no, Kentucky can't do yeah. this. Like, yeah. if they have more time, then sure. But they just can't. Like, they, they can't mm-hmm. score fast. Luther Burden and company and Brady Cook and company, especially with his legs, I think he's going to put up a lot of points. So anyone who's like, oh, have we? Look, I am going to tell you. You're, it's going to be a track meet, and what you're going to have to hope on hope is Georgia really bangs around these Missouri defenders, and they run the ball really hard at Mizzou next week because that is going to be a critical part of this. Is you're going to need a banged up Mizzou defense so that Joe and company can run all over, similar to what they did two years ago in Columbia with Tion Evans running for a gazillion yards in Columbia. Uh, I think they got the defensive line coach fired after that game from Mizzou, if I remember correctly. <laughs> you're right. Yeah. Yeah. So. That's what they need uh, in this one. But that's like kind of going around here is just uh, that's something I've got my eye on is just how how big that's going to be for Tennessee going into Columbia, because that's going to be the difference between nine and three and eight and four, I think, is how they they fare in Columbia, because I've just it's Georgia. I think anyone who's like penciling in Georgia is like a crazy like. okay, Tennessee has not lost at home since Georgia in twenty twenty one. Like, they're mm-hmm. just a different team at home. Like, we'll be a yeah. two-year anniversary of them losing a home game. Like, it, I don't think they're going to get blown out at home. I think that'll be a close game, and I think it will be uh, a very low-scoring ground and pound. We'll see. Uh, we we got a while before we get into Georgia, but um, mm-hmm. I'm getting ahead of myself. Either way, what did you think coming into the game that did not ultimately come to fruition on Saturday night in Lexington, Ethanstone? Um, I've already, I've already said the run one, the run defense. Mm. I thought, I thought that was going to be a lot better for Kentucky. So I'll go different and I'll say, I did not expect Devin Lear, even without Kamal Haddon, I did not expect Devin Lear to have as good of a day as he did. I think Mm. like I, I, I get Tennessee secondary hasn't been good all season. And I was definitely thinking that it would be problematic because they're just, I mean, say what you want about Haddon's tackling. He's one of 10, he was one of Tennessee's better players in coverage. He, he mm. was, he has been all season. And when you replace that with Danico Slaughter and Judy Lawley, who have flashes of being good, but I mean, last night kind of got cooked the entire night uh, by a quarterback who I think his only other game above 300 yards this season was Eastern Kentucky. Don't quote me on that, but I'm fairly certain. Mm. Uh, I mean, for, for Leary to play as well as he did is very concerning uh, in my opinion, because I mean, Coming out of NC State, and I mean, I was one of them that championed this. I thought Leary was going to be one of the better quarterbacks in the SEC. That has not turned out. It just has mm. not. He has not played well. They've gone much more with Vanderbilt, transferred Ray Davis on the ground. They want their identity to be running the ball and then throwing the ball second because Leary has just struggled some. And you can kind of mount some of that to an injury. Uh, obviously, he had his injury all last year, and he's kind of working his way back from that. He's probably not the same quarterback he was in 2021, but – for him to have as good of a night as he did against Tennessee secondary with Georgia and Mizzou coming up teams that are, I think two, three in the sec and their passing attack dude, that's, that's scary. That's, mm. that's not good because you could have Carson Beck and Brady cook out here throwing for 400 yards against Tennessee secondary. And then 
uh, the ball's ability to run the ball for 300 yards is irrelevant at that point. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I like that. Um, I think what surprised me, I mean, with the secondary, I mean, Kamal's absence was obviously very much missed in this one. Gabe Judy Lolly, I thought had a good game. I think he, he was did. someone he I did. I, I, I didn't want to, I didn't want that to sound like he didn't. He did. He did. Yeah. He was some, um, I'm pretty comfortable at this point. Like he's a solid, I don't yeah. know. Like he's, he's a, a, a nickel corner who is having to be thrust into being one of the main two now, uh, crossing Danico Slaughter. But like mm-hmm. we saw Ricky Gibson get a couple plays in. So it got to the point where they were like, all right, the freshmen are going to have to start playing a little bit here. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought Jalen McCullough and Wesley Walker were good uh, in the back end. They're fine. I'm not worried about them uh, at this point. But I will say, I I want to be nice. Brandon Turnage got like 10 snaps and was awful. Like that man, I think has, I just feel bad because I feel like if we go through his PFF scores, like over his Tennessee tenure, he's got to be the lowest. He's got to be at the bottom of any Tennessee player over the last three years. I feel so bad. But I'm like, Warren Burrell was even okay. He got held egregiously, mm-hmm. and they didn't get call um, mm-hmm. where all the Tennessee coaching staff lost their mind. That led to a ten- uh, Kentucky touchdown yeah. where he's just like, I don't know what else I'm supposed to do before you throw the flag. Cause, like, I literally can't get this man because uh, I'm being held uh, so egregiously. But like, Turnage, man, he is uh, I, I just really, he, really bad. Like he had, that, he had that one good game against Alabama like his first year. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you remember that, where he absolutely went off and won SEC Player of the Week. It yeah. has been radio silence since. I will agree with you on that. I, I didn't see any of those plays specifically from Turnage, so enough of, yeah. of the specifics, what you're talking about, but I would not tap it by by any means. I thought he was going to be so much more than he has been at Tennessee. He's He's been, I don't know, I, I won't say disappointing because I haven't seen it, but from what you're saying, it, it doesn't sound great. Well, there's a couple other surprises for me, and it's on the trenches on both sides. Um Ethan so I wonder if you agree with me here so it was uh, it's always like one of the things about the trenches with Tennessee is like you noticed immediately when Dane Davis went in for Mincy last week where yeah. I was like uh-oh there were some penalties and the offensive line kind of crumbled you're like uh-oh Crawford got some run and he was awful like Crawford had not played in a couple weeks and he'd been passed by Dane Davis he had to be thrust into the left tackle spot because John Campbell went out and Joe Milton was getting crushed during that point Tennessee wasn't able to run the ball for a little bit what I'm a little nervous about over the next couple of weeks now is there is no depth on uh, the offensive side of the ball. Uh, the offensive line is just John Campbell is a sneaky linchpin. We we saw it with Cooper early on this year and like what mm-hmm. we were looking at, but I think Ollie and company held their own. Like, I don't mm-hmm. think we really saw a big drop with, I mean, obviously crowd noise, but I think crowd noise would have been an issue whether it was Cooper or Ollie or Dane Davis at center at Florida and company. They've mm-hmm. been fine. I think, you saw that left tackle spot. Like if you go down there and Mincy, when it, they're just so thin at tackle that you cannot survive with John Campbell going down. Because I think that was one of those where I turned to my father-in-law. I was like, this game's over. If John Campbell is not back in this game. Like Joe's just going to keep getting killed and they're not yeah. going to be able like this. His blind side is, is over uh, in this spot. I don't know if you noticed that, but like that was something I was surprised was just how noticeable it was. And Crawford, I mean, he was, the left tackle who was shutting down Dallas Turner last year or Will Anderson in the Alabama game at home. Like we've seen a really good version of Jeremiah Crawford. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's happened this year, but I mean, it's been a really, really rough year. And I don't know if it's been just the not being able to stay on the field with different things, not getting a routine and all that. But like, man, the tackle spot is so thin 
that I I'm a little nervous about that week to week because Campbell's banged up, Minty's banged up, and that is a sneaky thing to monitor because those guys need to be healthy for Mizzou and Georgia for yeah. them to have a chance. Yeah, your last point hit hit the nail on the head. I mean, with Mizzou and, and Georgia, two of the better, uh, probably the better pass rushing teams in the SEC. Mm-hmm. Georgia, uh, probably college football, and Mizzou probably top fifteen. Yeah, uh, that's the the only team Tennessee has faced like that all season has been Alabama. And mm. and if if those problems keep persisting, that's going to be problematic. Something interesting I've noticed. And I wonder if Heupel is kind of noticing the thinness at offensive line as well. And that's why Milton's been running the ball more. Mm. <laughs> you know, that's it's it's like it's like year one Justin Fields in Chicago. He had nothing. He's just got to run around for his life. It, at some point, you almost got to feel like Joe's got to start running more. I mean, if yeah. you can convict on these passes, like like that beauty to Dante Thornton, that was the best show he's made all year. And I, I feel like people might not even know what I'm talking about. He's on the run. He fits it between mm. a couple of defenders to Dante Thornton. That's not really anything about the offensive line, but if he can do little things like that once or twice a game, get to the point where you can keep those edge defenders, linebackers honest a little bit, that's going to make all the difference in that case. Because, I mean, you're 100% right. When John Campbell went out the other day, that was one of the things I noticed is, I mean, the second and third quarter especially were awful. I mean, just truly awful. Because, you know, the the drives just start stalling. And and Mm. once... Once you start doing that on the road and giving Kentucky a little bit of momentum, especially with how they started the third quarter, I mean, things are just going to start compounding on top of that. So two good opponents coming up. you got to figure it out. Oh, 1000%. And I just, I'm very curious. And I'm also was surprised about Tennessee's pass rush, just having nothing like that was Devin Leary had all day. Like there was no adjustment. And you saw, I think Tyree West only got like four snaps and you look at Mm -hmm. it. I mean, Tyler Barron wasn't getting home. He got held, and obviously, hypel post game, the the silent stuff again. But like, you got to have some about. Like, we should have more bodies. There should still yeah. be like part of it goes back to Banks, where I think I'm so back and forth on what I think about the defensive scheme and the philosophy for this team because, like, ultimately, it kind of speaks to what I was saying earlier, where like, yeah, Kentucky was driving down the field, but like. They weren't Tennessee is like not allowing you to give up the big play. Like you are mm-hmm. not going to hit a big passing chunk play on Tennessee. You are not. We're not allowing it. You're not doing it. You're going to have to beat us with 97 cuts. Like we're not doing the other stuff yeah. on the back end. So I appreciate that a little bit. However, at some point you have to be like, all right, when we're sending four, like this is just we're like James Pierce cannot get home. Joshua Joseph's can't get home. Tyler, Br- like we're going to have to start sending dudes. Front. We're going to have to do some corner blitzes. We're going to have to send Beasley more. I just, I don't know why that continues to be the thing. He like the, It's just kind of stubborn where if the defensive line is not getting home, because like, I, it just, it, it's, it's tough. It's tough to get through these games when you're like, man, are we really just hoping that James Pierce is able to get through in third quarter? Because it was just clear that was not happening. Like Tennessee was not going to get home with four. And I mean, they just never they never really sent a lot. They never really brought the house. Um, and maybe that's just the style and that will never change. But I'm surprised, especially in that kind of environment where the game was very much in doubt throughout that banks and company did get did not get more aggressive sending five or six on a lot of design blitzes. I, I hadn't really thought about that. My my main thought has been about uh, about the rushing. And, and you're right about the sending four thing. I mean, at some point, you got to get more aggressive, uh, mm. especially when. I mean, especially on the road, right? I mean, I, Kroger Fields know, you know, the swamp or anything like that, but it's enough. And Tennessee mm. has provenly struggled on the road this season. So you got to give a struggling secondary without your best, probably one of your best corners, some help a little bit in that regard. Um, 
and you know that proves when, when you're not getting any pass rush and Devin Leary is having his best game as a Wildcat, you know that that just proves your point even more. I, I will say about the Wildcats, they're one thing. I mean, that offensive line is legit. Like mm. Kentucky's offensive line is for real. Is it an excuse for Tim Banks? I don't think so. No, I mean, especially considering. And like I said, I, I wasn't watching full blown the entire time, eyes glued to the screen. But I mean, it, it's apparent. You don't have to watch the screen to know that Tennessee's not sending anybody. I don't think I, did. Did they get a sack? Did they get any? No. Did they? I don't think they did. I was about to say, like, I, I, remember, mistaken. I don't think they have a sack. I don't. I remember so. Kentucky having the ball pretty much like whenever they wanted it. It's just, I said it multiple times in the group chat last night. And obviously people won't know this until I say it, but like if Kentucky wanted to win that game last night, they would have, it's just mm-hmm. Kentucky didn't want to win. That's ultimately like great win for Tennessee. Great job going on the road and doing what you needed to do. But if Kentucky wanted to win that game, they would have, it's just simple as that. And I mean, that's the thing that stands out is James Pierce wasn't able to get to his guy. And when James Pierce isn't able to get to his guy and he's obviously one of the best and if not the SEC in the nation, then you're going to struggle in that regard. And it's only going to get tougher against Mizzou and Georgia, who, I mean, are right there on the level with Kentucky's offensive line. So you got to change something. If, if Haddon's not going to be back, you get a little bit back when Peely hopefully returns uh, here in a couple weeks. But as far as right now with that kind of questionable, I mean, you, you just got, you got to start sending some more people. I agree with you hundred percent there. We'll see if they do it, but I have, I have my doubts at this point, uh, if that's changing. Um, was there anything from Josh Heupel coaching wise that stood out to you that kind of maybe the best thing you saw from Josh Heupel coaching in this game or the worst thing you saw from Josh Heupel in this game? I, nothing specific, but it's getting very concerning how poorly Tennessee is coming out of the halftime break. I think mm. that, I mean, we're, we're a couple weeks in a row now that Tennessee has looked just, just truly dreadful on both sides of the ball in the third quarter. And mm. that's kind of, I mean, I'm not sure I can chalk that down. I'm, I'm ready to chalk that down as just a Josh Heupel thing. Like mm. his team's just not really coming out in the third quarter. I'm, I'm not sure I'm quite ready to say that, but Dude, we got to start having a dialogue. <laughs> it's like, I, I, I mean, obviously Alabama did what they did last week, but what's really underrated is Kentucky's ability to crawl their way back into that. And like I said two minutes ago, if they wanted to win that game, if they could have hit that field goal, that changes everything. It, it, it doesn't give Tennessee the ball late with Dylan Sampson and his ability to just pound it down their throat. It, it doesn't do any of that. And the game just changes completely like that. So in that regard, I would almost say, and I hate to say this, that Tennessee got lucky. Because uh, because mm. they really did because Kentucky just didn't want to win that game. Um, so from high and Heupel's admitted that he said like you got to get better in that regard. You can't come out of the halftime break just I mean twiddling your thumbs and hoping praying that Kentucky is going to not have adjusted against a coach like Mark Stoops. It's just not going to yeah. happen. So that that's what stood out to me as far as well. Um, I mean, you, you just you got to applaud him for just keeping keeping going with the run. Uh, I mean, mm. when when it's working, it's working. Don't try and get cute. Uh, I, I mean, it's the basic stuff. But I'd say if I had to pick something out from last night that stood out, I'd say that. I mean, there, at at no point did in the second half. I will say this actually. I'll go back on it a little bit. Awful third quarter. Fourth, the fourth quarter. Honestly, the play calling was exquisite because mm. he simplified it. He said. Hey, Kentucky missed that field goal. And like you had said earlier, uh, Kentucky's not able to sustain quick drives. They're not able to quick strike and, and, and kind of build their way back into this. So we're just going to run and pound the ball with our guy that, that's uh, as good as any running back in the SEC and Dylan Sampson, even without Jalen Wright. Yeah. I will say, you know what Hybel deserves credit for? Trusting his special teams this week because Jackson yeah. Ross is an absolute assassin. So 
letting yeah, him do that. Too. No dumb fourth and two calls. There was just like not any of those who are like, oh, Hypel, what are we doing? Because yeah. that was, I mean, those are huge, huge plays. And I think trusting that and also Charles Campbell just is as steady Eddie as it gets. So like trusting Campbell to just take the points and uh, getting stopped, like it, doing what he needs to do there, I think was a big one. I also just think I would love to get his like off the record take on the red zone stuff be like hey mm-hmm. why do you suck in the red zone why, why <laughs> is this why is this just an absolute disaster week over week like what what actually is it because i wonder if it's like i was listening to sports source this morning and i think the point that they made that i hadn't really considered and i just kind of forgot is like princeton fan had like nine touchdowns in the red zone last year and you just kind of overlooked that yeah. princeton Fant was this like swiss army knife in the red zone because mm-hmm. he wasn't really a fullback he was not really a tight end not really a running back but he was just so hard to bring down and they really liked using him in the red zone and they don't really have that. McAllen Castles, yeah. I think is fine, but he's just not that kind of guy. So um, maybe uh, Okoye can eventually be that guy uh, for, for Tennessee. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know. I think right now I, I do wonder how much of just not having that kind of Swiss army knife uh, when things get tighter, uh, it's going to hurt Tennessee, but I would love to know why this group especially just really, really struggles uh, in the red zone. Is it? Do you think it has anything to do with? And I, I, I want to try my very best not to knock on Joe Milton for this week because he really yeah. did play very Joe well. Joe Milton a great game. Has, do you think it has something to do with his decision making? Because I mean, let's let's mm. be honest here. That's one of his major weaknesses, and that's yeah. something in the red zone you got to figure out. You know, I mean, uh, it's 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 tighter. You you don't get as many people downfield. The guys are playing in. It's uh, that that's the entire point. Uh, you're that mm-hmm. close. It's tougher to score because you can't get as many routes going. And so yeah. you wonder, just with that many people that close, do you think his decision making's just off? Do you think, I don't know. I mean, it's not like they're exclusively trying to thread it through a needle in the air with Joe Milton. I mean, they're trying to, you know, do what they've been doing and just ground and pound. But you almost wonder if that has a little bit to do with it. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I, I wouldn't rule it out. I think yeah. that's, a, that's a possibility. I just, I, don't, I think it's just complicated. So I just... I would be curious to hear Heupel's um, full like behind the scenes take on this because mm-hmm. I'm sure he has a good answer here. Uh, final thing, uh, Ethan Stone coming out of this weekend. Biggest worry for you coming out of this game, heading into UConn week where they'll be fine, plus 30 out of the or minus 30 out of the gate here. So I think Tennessee will be okay in homecoming week, even though I'm worried that the uniforms are going to be egregious uh, for this one. Just where the Pat Summit blue. We found something last year that was good. Mm-hmm. The Pat Summit Blue is great. Like that's all you got to do. All orange and the Summit Blue. That's all you got to do with the. That's all. Don't overdo. Don't overthink this. The orange helmets do not need. I am so concerned that it's gonna be all orange and the orange helmets are coming out for this. Oh my goodness. Just go Summit Blue. It's really not that complicated. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. What are you most concerned about, Ethan Stone, coming out of this game? I'm going to be boring. I'm so sorry. The answer is the secondary. It's, yeah. it's just got to be. And it's not just, uh, I'll expound upon that. It's not just the secondary for the sake of saying it's the secondary missing Kamal Haddon. It's mm. the secondary because, as I said earlier, facing off against Carson Beck and Brady Cook, who has been, if you watch, if you don't watch football that much and you hear the name Brady Cook, you roll your eyes at that. He has been elite this year. He has truly been incredible, and he has very good playmakers in Luther Burden, and they have the number three passing offense in the SEC. Mm. And it's in Columbia, where they play very, very, very well. That's that's terrifying to me. It, it really is. Because, I mean, I'll go back to the beginning of the show when I said that Tennessee can beat anybody on the ground. 
I'll revise that. They can beat anybody on the ground if they get like just decent help from the defense. If they don't have a South Carolina breakdown from 2022 uh, on defense. And I just like, I, I don't I I don't see if the pass rush continues to struggle like we just talked about if it struggles like it did against Kentucky with good offensive lines like Mizzou and like Georgia I don't see how Carson Beck and Brady Cook don't just pick the secondary apart man I don't see how I I don't know I don't know what you do because I mean well, I know what it we, is it's James Pearson coming to getting home like yeah, that's I, the I mean, only you're, thing you're 100 percent right you, yeah. you're, as far as the secondary I don't know what you like you're just out of dudes no they're just point. bad no, you're, like, you're right <laughs> they're just out of bodies like a yeah. play freshman like Ricky Gibson play more like I don't know they're just out of yeah. dudes yeah you, you exactly you can play Ricky Gibson Matthew you can play all of them uh, all yeah. you want you'll get valuable experience for next year that does not mean you're gonna win the football game brother no <laughs> no the only thing that's saving the secondary is a better pass rush we've seen right. it. like we that's yep. the only thing that's gonna help because Kamal hadn't yep. been gone for the year and everything else like it's just and you don't and like you don't want to lump it on just Haddon either and say like that's why Tennessee's all of a sudden having uh, Tennessee's had problems in the secondary. Yeah, year, guys. like they, but at they least he was a playmaker. Like he was the yes. only playmaker in the secondary. Like yes. at least he had a couple picks and he had a pick set. Like he at least had, like he is someone who could make things happen in some drives by making a play. There's no one in the secondary who's making a play. Like there's no. not Warren Burrell, Cape Judy Lolly. They're holding their own. But it's like that bend don't break. They're not. I'd say the closest yeah. is Judy, Judy Lolly, but I would agree 100% with you. I, oh, I would say Danico, but it's just we haven't seen Danico do it all. Yeah. Year. Yeah. I, he could be one of them for sure. I yeah. mean, Judy Lolly hadn't, what is he at? Two interceptions on the year? He had a pretty good play against. Does I he have remember. a pick? He does. He has one. He, I think I, he has one. Who is it against? I'm How not, was that I'm, the game? I feel like maybe not. Yeah. I'm not going to waste my time thinking about this, but like the, <laughs> the moral of the story maybe is Carolina, you're a, that could be the, I, I don't know who, who the explosive guy is in the secondary, unless a freshman comes out of nowhere. No, and just, is that going to happen against Brady cook and Carson Beck? And I, I probably not, not now. Like the ball fans, like, Hey, you can beat Mizzou and Mizzou goes off. Like, mm-hmm. I just think anyone who's like, all right, how, how do we slow down Mizzou at home? Like on the road. I'm like, you're not like the, yeah. that's not happening. Brady cooks mm-hmm. running all over this defense. They're going to do whatever they want. Luther Burden's going to like this secondary up. Yeah. Can you win in spite of that is the question I have. Mm-hmm. Can you, you win? Gotta, you got to win a 45 yeah. to 42 game. Yes. You, I mean, you, you got to do it exactly like LSU did. And unfortunately yes. LSU has Jaden Daniels. <laughs> and, and we don't quite. No, that's what I'm saying. Like, I just, I don't know. Like any, any ball fan who's really excited. I'm like, look, man, like they're going to have to score 40 plus to win that game. I, and I don't know. If I, they would can do be, that. I would be, sh- I would be, I mean, I've, I've said it since Mizzou beat Kansas State and Columbia, to be totally mm. honest. I, I don't see Tennessee beating this Mizzou team. They're legitimately really good. They really yeah. are. And I don't think it's a bad thing for Tennessee to lose to this Mizzou. I mean, based on how they are right now, based on how this team is performing right now, I don't think it's unexpected for Tennessee to lose to Mizzou. I don't think it should be the expectation for Tennessee to win. No, I mean, it, but the thing is, if you get that win, then you're just like, George is just gravy, because that might be a game that mm-hmm. decides the division, um, mm-hmm. which is where you want to be. Like, if Georgia can draw, like, if Mizzou does the unthinkable and uh, beats Georgia or something, that's your best case scenario, because, like, you have no business being in the game for the division against Georgia, based on what we've seen from this Tennessee team, but, like, that's where you want to be, with all those recruits in there for uh, Knoxville at the end of the year. Like, that's where you want to be, but, look, I think you, myself, um ryan jack every vol fan like if you get to nine and three everyone's happy like this was a gap year everyone saw it as a gap year just get to nine and three get ten and three with a bowl win because also we end here because i know we got to go ethan no worries the bowl projections after week nine absolutely disgusting i don't know if you saw where tennessee is right now if uh-huh. the bowl season started 
Music City Bowl, which I feel like we're going to play in for the rest of our lives when they're not in a New Year's yes. Six game. Yeah. And Rutgers and Minnesota are the two Big Ten teams that they would get in this scenario. <laughs> I'm not watching that. I, you won't make me sit down and watch Minnesota, Tennessee. Absolutely <laughs> not. Like what I've seen from Minnesota where they bring you to hell. Like yeah. they are bringing you down to nine to six territory. Oh my God. And what but happened with Purdue Big a couple Ten years West ago? Oh, just disgusting. Like <laughs> this whole football season. Oh, yeah. Get me. No, I don't want that slop. Don't give me that slop. I did not need to see that. Like, okay, we need to go 10 and 2 so I can avoid um, this nonsense because I do not want to watch Music City. Well, that would be two bolt two games in Nashville, uh, in a neutral site this year for the Bulls. Mm. What are we doing? Uh, what are what we would doing? be so much more fun is Ethan Stone Saturday down south bowl projection of Gator Bowl versus Miami. That would be so oh, much more. Absolutely, I'm going so to that. Much. If I have family in Jacksonville, if they do Gator Bowl. Yeah, no, it'd be so much more fun. That, that's what yeah. I think. <laughs> I mean, I'm a dummy, but <laughs> no, I'm here for it. I'll take it. Uh, oh no, I wouldn't watch a Music City Bowl against Rutgers. No chance. Oh. Seven and no way. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not watching that. They're I losing agree. that game too, and you're gonna hate it. It's the Greg Schiano discourse game. Are you kidding me? Gavin Wimson. Greg Schiano, if he beats Tennessee, oh ball. my god. The fall <laughs> not fans sure they on could Twitter. Beat Tennessee, but Rutgers is balling. They're playing well. Man. I know, but I'm just saying, like the who who. Uh, never mind. We don't have to relate yeah, it all. We don't need to talk. All right. Well, <laughs> Ethan, so go check out SaturdayDownSouth.com today if you are not already. What are you doing if you're a college football fan not checking out SaturdayDownSouth.com uh, each and every day? Ethan, always a pleasure. I'll talk to you next week. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.